Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline staked out at this moment. Fort Worth, Texas. Should be in Terre Haute. Fort Worth, Texas, however. Uh, sports director, WTWO, the legendary Channel 2 in not just Terre Haute, but in Farmersburg, Indiana, off of 41. It is Grant Pugh with us. Hello, Grant. How you doing? JMV, great to talk with you. Happy baseball weekend. It is hot in Texas, but the Sycamores may be even hotter. We are excited for the Super Regional starting tomorrow night. Grant, I wish they were in Terre Haute. I'm trying not to beat this thing to death here, but I wish they were in Terre Haute. I hope that it doesn't come down to, you know what, had they been playing at home, this thing could have been different. I hope not. I hope not either, but, you know, positive out of the negative. Hey, I used the home team in the first game and the third game if it goes to three games, so at least they'll get to bat last. No, it's not going to be the same in front of the fans and atmosphere that you guys saw at Bob Warren Field last weekend. But as we try to spin, you know, something positive out of something negative, this team is ready to go. I mean, it's, it's a business trip for them. They were happy to put all this aside after they left Terre Haute yesterday, flew out to Fort Worth. Hey, we know we're not hosting. It's over with. Yeah. Let's get out here and play some baseball and try to go to the College World Series. Hey, how does the, uh, home, the home field of lasted bats in this case, how, how does that work as far as college baseball in the postseason is concerned? You know, it's changed a little bit. I think the Sycamores are going to be the home in the first and third. They yeah. say they were originally slated to be the host. But then we had a weird circumstance with the Valley Tournament a couple of weeks ago. ISU was playing Evansville. ISU was visitor in both games. Evansville was the one seed. I heard there's an NCAA rule. I don't think a team can be visitors three games in a row. That's that's what I know of because ISU lost game one to Evansville. And, of course, they won the Valley Tournament that night. But they were visitor in both games, which was kind of puzzling to us. It's a 5 o'clock coming up tomorrow, game number one of that Super Regional down in Fort Worth between Indiana State and TCU. Grant Pugh of Channel 2 and Terre Haute's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So let's go into full detail because I know that you've done a great deal of research and they're there right now. I, I don't know this for certain. I have described TCU as the hottest offensive team in college baseball in the playoffs so far and certainly those to advance to the Super Regional. Is that too far off base? I don't think so. I think if you're a college baseball fan, you've been following this since the regional started. I think Wake Forest and TCU, two of the hottest teams, two teams that maybe no one wants to play right now, but the Sycamores aren't scared of anyone. I'm I'm curious, though, offensively, from what you have, have at least looked at, I haven't watched TCU once yet, but what, what do they bring to the table? Is it a home run power? Is it, you know, station to station type of single and get things going running wise? How do they score their runs? Because Grant, they've scored their runs in bunches. Yeah, they were hitting bombs away against Arkansas. If you guys saw any of that regional, they, one kid hit a couple home runs in a game. They they can score runs in bunches. So the Sycamores kind of have to find a way to, to get some solid pitching. Matt Jasic, Connor Finlong, two of the Sycamore starters. Jacek is kind of due for a good start, but we'll see. Obviously, when you're going against the Big 12, you're going to have to find a way to limit some runs when you can. We saw Indiana State and Iowa play a high-scoring game Sunday night in the clincher. Sycamores may have to have their bats ready to, to try to score with these guys as you know, well. Yeah, you know, Grant, too, I, I think about the way TCU just not – 
just handled Arkansas the three seed, but dismantled them offensively, dismantled them and their pitching staff. And you know, I was talking to Mitch earlier in the week, and he was he was talking about this group and what they're doing at at the plate again as we talked about it's hard pressed to find anybody else from top to bottom of a lineup that's swinging a bat any better than what they are right now it really is so you're going to have a true test of this isu pitching staff starting tomorrow and we'll see like you said even monday you know arkansas had some weather they didn't play their games on saturday so tcu had a little break they played monday arkansas gets an early lead on them didn't matter. TCU still blows them out and wins and wins that regional. All right, Grant. Uh, pitching wise, tomorrow starters and, and how much further has this, has Mitch gone to the Saturday game as well, or is that still to be decided? Still to be decided. You've got two good starting pitchers, Matt Jasic, who has had an outstanding year last year. He's been outstanding on the road, and then Connor Finlong, who is the Valley Pitcher of the Year, second team All American. So you've got basically kind of two aces. We don't know yet what pitch and his hand is going to be, rightfully so. You don't want to give TCU some extra ammunition right away. But one of those two guys is certainly going to start tomorrow. I would lean towards Jasic, but we'll have to wait and see if it's Jasic and then you save Finlong for Saturday, just in case. You know, if you go down a one, you've got your Valley Pitcher of the Year going Saturday. Well, and, and that's kind of what um, uh, he had talked about as far as the Mo Valley conference tournament was concerned he just kind of goes with who's up next and 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 doesn't want to and this is is coming from mitch obviously doesn't really want to deviate from from what is normalcy for them most of the time right 100 percent. you want to stick with what's worked all year i mean you saw these guys ran through the moval a lot of those games on the road they had some big non-conference games on the road too it was always j6 starting friday been long on Saturday. I expect them to stick with that plan this weekend. Hey, Grant Pugh from Channel 2 and Terre Haute WTWO is down in Fort Worth with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Indiana State and TCU underway tomorrow. Game one of the best of three Super Regional in Fort Worth begins at 5 o'clock here local time coming up tomorrow. What's impressed you the most out of this team that you've covered? And really, since that point in February, let's start at the 11-11 and 11 mark for this team and what what they have done to most impress you since that point? Yeah, as you said, they were 500. They were even two and eight before they were 500. So you, you know they lose to Iowa on a walk-off Grand Slam first game of the season. They play Miami first week of the season. They start out two and eight. Then you say they go 11-11. The fact that they didn't flinch once Valley play started, they just started mowing down. They won every Valley series, and that's hard to do. And then Mitch credits these guys too because. When you're a mid-major, you can't flinch down the stretch if you're trying to host regionals, which is what these guys were trying to do. So, you know, they didn't falter under pressure when they knew they had to take two of three from every Missouri Valley Conference series, and they did that down the stretch. So I think I think the composure of this team is, is one of the, the top notches, and they got some of the best composure I've seen. You look at the game last weekend, they were trailing on Friday against Wright State until Grant McGill comes through with a two-out RBI. They rally in the eighth and, of course, win game one, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, granted, was there a signature moment? Like one one signature moment that you recollect is you know one of the reasons why they they maybe began on really an unprecedented run that we have seen over a, a two three month period. They've been working all year. I think the fact that they were able to sweep IU in non conference was big. They swept Illinois, but Mitch even talked. There was a while back they had a practice. They were at SEMO at Southeast Missouri State. And, you know, Mitch said, hey, we're going to practice for an hour and a half. They ended up practicing for about three hours because they knew then how good they could be, but they were still kind of working the kinks out. But this, this team has had a goal all season long, 
of not just winning a regional, but, you know, a chance to make Omaha. And they've got it right in front of them this weekend. Certainly sad it's not in, in Terre Haute, but, hey, it's they're ready to fight scratch and claw against the Horned Frogs. All right, Graham, before I let you go, give me a, a couple of offensive players that you feel could help dictate things if things go the right way for the trees coming up this weekend. I look at Adam Pottinger. He had a home run in the first two games last weekend at the regional in Terre Haute. You look at shortstop Randall Diaz, his bat, is not where you want it to be right now if he comes alive. Those are two guys. And then catcher Grant McGill. He had the big hit on Friday against Wright State. He's sometimes at the bottom of the lineup, which is okay. He's going to have a chance to knock some runs in this weekend as well, I think. It's uh, Grant Pugh, who is uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, how long have you been there? I flew in. Uh, I, I flew with a team yesterday, living in style, uh, JMV. We flew in uh, last evening about, uh, let's see, it was about 4.30 local time, 5.30 Indiana time. Only an hour and a half flight from Terre Haute, so not bad. Oh, you guys take the off team, from home and field, huh? Yeah, not, nice. not bad for uh, the Channel 2 life, living uh, living the dream. You're covering ISU baseball in, in Fort Worth. They're on the field now for warm-ups. They're going to get their first practice in about five minutes. TCU practice, their practice just wrapped. They're speaking to the press as we speak, so we'll get a chance to talk to Mitch and the Sycamores after practice today as we get set to play ball. I think high 90s all weekend. Sunday looks to be 101, but, hey, it's supposed to be hot this time of the year in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It, it, think of, uh, of Holman Field. This goes back to 19, maybe 92, maybe 93. I can't remember. I was I was coming over on 46. Normally I go through the country through GC, but I was coming over on 46, and all of a sudden this huge kind of wide-bodied jet just came over what was – it wasn't a hill, but it just all of a sudden came out of the horizon taking off from, from home and field. I didn't know that that size jets actually took off and landed there. It scared the absolute crap out of me. I mean, oh, yeah, especially if, if you're coming back after a long <laughs> night or a fun night. You see that fly over, you're thinking, what the heck, in Terre Haute? Yes, yes. Very, com- very convenient for these guys to leave, I think, from home and field, take off from there. And then they flew. They didn't fly to Dallas-Fort Worth. They flew straight to the Fort Worth airport, which was an easier commute to the team hotel as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting ISU alumni. A lot of them are here. They're having a big yeah. tailgate tomorrow for the families and stuff. I just checked, JMB. I think beer prices are eight seventy-five and 13 We'll see how much beer is consumed tomorrow. But, you know, these fans are – I think it's sold out in about 15 minutes. These fans are rowdy. And I did see – I don't know if you touched on as well. I think they're going to donate yeah. every a dollar for every concession stand to the Special Olympics. Was a cool no, thing that, that is really cool, too. That, that part was – in a story, Grant, and, and obviously I was – I was pretty hardcore on what I felt was a couple of different folks in this case, those that make the the decisions, just dropping the ball majorly. Um, I was I was talking that up all week, but if there is something that is strong and certainly noble to come out of this, it's the thoughts of of what TCU is doing in terms of their hosting now and not not Terre Haute. That's pretty cool. Very cool indeed, and hey, it could be an extra rallying cry for these Sycamores this weekend. How many fans do you think are out there? There's I don't know. We'll, from see here. Them. we'll see tomorrow. I haven't seen many yet, but you know, a lot of the players' families will be here for sure, and I don't know. I, I need to check with ISU Athletics. I don't know how many tickets they were allotted, but I expect you'll see some blue here tomorrow, and Sycamores, have, you know, they traveled to a regional in, in Bandy in 2021 and 2019 with some fans, and 
I hope some fans made the trip this weekend because this, this is a big deal. You know, you're talking 1986. It's been a long time since ISU has, has done something this exciting in uh, college baseball. I can't – the 86 team, I, I can't remember. I, I do remember when, when Zane Smith, the left-hander that had just a, a great deal of major league experience, was the guy over there. Who Do you remember who – and you're really young, you probably don't. Who was, who was the dude on the 86 team? Do you remember? I, I can't remember either. Mitch was a freshman. He said he remembers getting a bat. That's about it. That was his <laughs> joke last weekend when asked about the '86 team. But no, I was uh, I was a year old in '86. Yeah, so yeah. So I don't. Not you know. But that's that, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, what what a special you know. Th- these fans last weekend. You know, we, they've credited them all week. They showed up to Bob Warren Field. It was rocking. Now let's channel that energy and see what they can do on the road this weekend. No, there's, there's no doubt about that, too. And I, I kind of hope, and I'm, I want to put pressure on people here because if they go go to Omaha, I kind of want to go do a show out there. I think that'd be a hell of a time. So hopefully we can I'll, work I'll, something out. Come on out. I'll, I'll do the show with you. We'll, we'll talk Sycamore baseball. We'll talk everything Sycamore. We'll talk Green County sports if you want as well. Oh, yeah, you cover that. I know. Hey, where's, where's Joey Hart going? Does he know? I, I don't know. He's got a visit to Kentucky, to Indiana, so we're still not sure where he's going yeah we'll have to wait and see what, what was the not- what was the reason behind i guess a going and signing with central florida and then b deciding to decommit from central florida i i, I haven't had a chance i haven't called joey and, and asked or, or talked to anybody down there what was the reason behind that i'm not sure either jmv i haven't had a chance covering these baseball guys to ask as well but obviously any kid's gonna do what's best for him in certain certain situations you got a special talent like joey hart He's got opportunities like IU and Kentucky, Central Florida. I mean, that's big for a kid from Greene County, for sure. Did they did they come at him, or was this instigated by by him and and his family and such? How, you know how that worked? I, I do not, JMV. I do not. Well, I hope for the best because he's a really good kid. I do, I do. Even though yeah, he's do. from he's from Linton, he's on the other side of the river, but he's still that's a really right. good kid. He is, and we look forward to big things from him, and can't wait. You know. He's not going to participate in the Indiana All-Star stuff this weekend because of an injury, but, hey, he's he's got a bright future ahead. All right, Grant, we'll be uh, watching your Twitter handle live from Fort Worth to give everybody my best there in Farmersburg at WTWO when you get back. And hopefully, hopefully we're talking about this team in the College World Series in Omaha this time early next week. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, JMV. What a week that would be. And love your show, man. Talk to you soon. Grant Pugh right there. That's WTWO. Terre Haute. Sports director. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, he is from Setting the Pace. We talk Pacers and I'm sure a lot more with Alex Golden here, again, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you're going to go on 19 different podcasts and talk about trading Miles Turner? I know that's not you. You get asked that question, by the way. But is that like the most commonly asked question you're asked when you go on these podcasts? Or am I making too much out of it yeah a lot of times it's kind of like it's always thrown in there i was on a pelicans podcast not too long ago i think it was tuesday night and the first question that we started off with was what would it take for the pelicans to get miles turner and i'm like oh okay we're going here again all right so i was kind of surprised uh 
that that's how we started things off. But, yeah, I mean, it just feels like Miles Turner will never stop being in trade rumors for whatever reason. Well, I, I think it's different now, too, right, Alex? Because prior to, it was, well, this is what we believe he can be. And the Pacers were the ones that were constantly shopping him around. It seems like now that other teams have recognized – uh, what certainly I have known, my hand is up for a long period of time, me and a select few, and now Pacer fans are certainly realizing the value of Miles Turner. Other teams seem like they're recognizing that. Is that what this is? Yeah, I would say Miles Turner's value is probably higher than it's ever been. So, you know, maybe that's why his name has come up more in trade talks is because he's a little bit more coveted by other teams, and he still is only on a two-year deal. So that doesn't mean he's here long-term. It means that he's got the optionality to – be a free agent in a couple of years and so can the Pacers trust us keep him long term I don't know uh, I do think that it's interesting uh, enough to talk about but at this point I would be completely shocked if he wasn't uh, you know on the roster for the entirety of next season yeah, I, I I can't imagine. Now, you know, maybe a guy like Buddy Heald, you can't imagine that, even though I love his volume three-point shooting and or scoring making, I guess, in this case. And we'll get into that in a second. But, yeah, I, I can't. And I also saw the other day, you, you had mentioned this, and maybe it was just in passing, that you can't get away from the thought that the Pacers would have interest in DeAndre Ayton. Now, was that because – they had interest in him almost a year ago as of right now in the summertime. Is that what leads you to believe this? And if not, what is it? Yeah, I just I can just kind of see them dipping their toe back in that because it's it's one of those things where he's still a young center that's very intriguing. I know he's on a max deal, but they were clearly willing to give that to him last year. And kind of like I just said, Miles' value is as good as it's ever been. He's only on two years he's only got two years left, so even if they traded for eight and they would get him for an extra year that they wouldn't have miles in their contract for. So I just kind of think that he brings a different dynamic. Personally, I don't like it as much as just keeping miles because I think the, the, the salary is the big thing for me, right? You know, Deandre on the max or miles is a descending contract, $21 million next year. So I feel like you have more flexibility if you keep miles. And I think that his rent protection is big, but I can also see the Pacers talking themselves into, you know, just having a difference style of big man to go along Tyrese Halliburton. Um, But I think a lot of it just depends on how they felt the rest of the roster because they said they're still trying to figure out who their core is. And I think that's something, you know, we got to keep in the back of our mind as well when we're talking about how they go about building this team. I questioned this again almost this time last year. Alex, is is that – do you think that they would have the opinion of that is a style of big man – that they would like, or is all this predicated on their belief in Tyrese Halliburton can make anybody better? Yeah, I I think it's probably more the latter with Tyrese just being able to raise the floor of so many players. Like, look at what he did for Miles last year. Now, Miles did his own stuff. Like, it's not just Tyrese for why Miles was good. I don't want that to be, you know, misleading by saying that, but I, I do think that Tyrese is this guy that's you know, able to raise the floor of a lot of players. And if he can, you know, maybe I think sometimes a change of scenery is, is key for guys like a guy like Aiden. Maybe a change of scenery would help. I don't know. But there's, you know, also some red flags with him saying that he just wanted to get to his, you know, max contract. Uh, I think he said that when he was like a rookie. So it's like, uh, is that really somebody you want to invest in? But I do think that the lob threat ability is something that Miles isn't bringing is probably a better roller than Miles is. But 
not even close to the shooter that Miles is or the rim protector. He's got athleticism, don't get me wrong, but I just think Miles is in a different level when you're talking about three-point shooting and rim protection. I will say this regarding DeAndre Ayton. Frank Vogel comes in there and, and says all the right things, things you have to say to to you know make everybody feel good at the moment. But I still question whether or not that is going to be, you know, obviously they make changes with Chris Paul. Somebody else is probably going to come in. And now you have a new head coach. Even with Frank Vogel in there, I find it hard to believe that, that Aiton's going to be a workable piece within that organization moving forward. I think if you look at their roster, it's just got too many big contracts on it. So – that's why they waived Chris Paul or try to figure out the next move with him. And then there was a report that said DeAndre Ayton was also on the trading block. So obviously they couldn't trade him last year because he had like a, like a no trade clause. He had to kind of approve the trade. So that made it more difficult to move him. But I think now he'll be a little bit more movable in the offseason. And I think if they can kind of, for example, you know, like if they wanted to go after Miles Turner and the Pacers were interested in Ayton, not saying they should be, just saying if they were, you know, you get Miles plus something else, and now you have two rotational players for one. And you might not feel like there's that much of a drop-off, or you might even actually think that Turner fits better with what they're trying to do than what Aiton brings. So I think that that's something just to keep in, in mind as well because the, the Suns really have their hands tied in terms of how they can go about building this roster with how much limitations they have cap-wise. It's, uh, Alex Golden setting the pace, talking Pacers, NBA, and more via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you think that there is more interest in Buddy Heald out there or more interest in the Pacers dealing Buddy Heald? Where do you think that situation is? You think bottom line, would they rather see him come back and be that three-point shooting threat, or you think they're actively searching for a new place? I think that they're actively probably looking to, to move him just because um, they have too many players in that position. And – I know that sounds, you know, like a, a bad or a good problem to have, but at the same time, it's like if a if a team is willing to offer you something for a Buddy Hill because they want the shooting, you have to listen. So I, I think that in regards to that, the Pacers with Chris Duarte, you know, he was their 13th overall pick just two years ago. He probably would be out of the rotation right now based on if the Pacers take somebody at seven and kept the roster as is, he really wouldn't be seeing the floor. So if you're invested in Chris Duarte uh, a little bit, then then maybe you move off of Buddy Hill to let Chris Duarte get those minutes and kind of prove what he can do. Potentially could move them both. I just think that at the end of the day, you got to make this roster better, and they emphasize defense. And as great of a shooter as Buddy Hill is, we know that he's not a defender. And as a bench scorer, I would be okay with that. But at the same time, I just wonder if they should try to – you know, Buddy's value is probably higher than it was when he was in Sacramento. So do they try to cash in on his value and, and try to find a team that's interested? I think that could be something. But, yeah, you can never have too much shooting. And there's been plenty of rumors out there that the Lakers could look to add Buddy Heald in the offseason as well with maybe a Malik Beasley and pick 17 that they have. So maybe you could move up in the draft as well uh, to take on someone that's got a similar contract. and that does make some sense to me. How much would that take away from the Pacers of the moment? But how much do you think that could help them in the longer-term future? You know where I am. I, I'm, I'm really sick of talking about the long-term future. I kind of want to take some pieces and believe you can put those together and start winning and go with it right now. But what do you think yeah. outweighs the other in this case? Is it the longer-term future where maybe you have a decrease 
in skills and an escalation in money going out contractually or the volume of three-point shooting. And, and as I mentioned all the time, too, Alex, just the overall threat that he is, having to, to locate, having to tag him, know where he is on the floor defensively. What, what weighs out more, in your opinion, with Buddy Heald in mind with this Pacer team? I think I think the Pacers really like Buddy, right? There's a reason Rick Carlisle couldn't it took him a while to bench him, right, or, or let Mather and start in front of him. I think that they are enticed by what he does offensively, but I also know that all we've heard is they're preaching defense, preaching defense, preaching defense, and that's not something he's been great at. So I just feel like the writing's kind of on the wall. I think that when we had Chad Buchanan on our podcast, one thing that he said is. We're going to determine how we go about this summer based on what's available to us. So while I understand a lot of people are like, we got to start winning now, you know, we are almost there. We were above 500 before Halliburton got hurt at the halfway point. I also think that this is year one of the rebuild. So it's one of those things where it's easy to put the cart before the horse, but I think patience is key here, even though it might not be the most enjoyable basketball to watch. I think that if we try to rush things too quick, JMV, you could be a team that's once again stuck in the middle. And even though you have young players on it, I, I think that winning is good for experience. But at the same time, you just got to try to get the best talent and, and figure things out down the road and not worry about, okay, who's going to fit our roster this year and how can we be a four seed and try to get, you know, to the next round of the playoffs and get beat. I, I think you're not saying a championship or bust. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm also saying, is really a four seed realistic with this team based on the pieces they have? Probably not. So there, there's going to have to be some, you know, heavy roster reconstruction to get this team, in my opinion, to, you know, top of the East in terms of like top four and really being able to compete. So I, I think that Buddy Hield is uh, a nice player, a fan favorite, but I don't think that he fits long term in my personal opinion. Well, what about Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith? We saw them minutes-wise fall out of favor, you know, down the stretch at, at moments during the season. What do you think they are as far as consistently a part of this roster future-wise moving forward? Yeah, I would say there's probably a higher chance that Isaiah's on this team moving forward than Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Smith was a starter and fell all the way out of the rotation completely. And – Isaiah Jackson is a very raw prospect still. I mean, I know he's in, going into year three now. He had, you know, slight improvements last year, but I don't feel like he took a massive jump. So I, I feel like both of these guys are still projects. I don't know if either of them are long-term answers, but with big men, it does take a little bit longer than potential guards and wings. So I'm not writing them off yet, but I think that Jalen Smith, while it was uh, really cool to see him come back to the Pacers for, you know, less money, I guess you could say, than what was. Uh, at the same time, if you're keeping Miles Turner on this roster, he can't have a big play next to him that the opposing team is going to be able to put their five on because Miles Turner uh, isn't as effective when he's got a four or a three guarding him. So I think you're going to have to really look at that, too, when you're trying to build this roster. So that's kind of where I feel about Jalen and Isaiah. I think Isaiah's got the upper hand in terms of long term with the Pacers, but I don't think that, once again, they're tied to either of them. And if the right deal comes along, I wouldn't be surprised if they're involved in it. It's, uh, Alex Golden setting the pace on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, I'm going to use three players that the Pacers have worked out and uh, that have commonly been associated with that seventh overall selection. Whitmore, Walker, 
and um, uh, the kid from Central Florida um, right yeah, now. And if if you were a wagering person right now and you had those three available at seven, which direction do you believe the Pacers would go? Yeah, I think, I think you know, with Larry Bird being in the room for all three of them, I have to ask his opinion first. Um, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, well, are, you, no, are you making fun of Larry Bird? <laughs> I've gotten so many Larry Bird jokes and text messages since he's been in these pictures, I had to throw one in there. Do, do people forget that Larry Bird was the coach of the only team that the Pacers had that went to the NBA Finals? Do we forget that, or are you guys all too young? Just wonder. No, I re- I remember, and he, he drafted Paul George, so you got to give him credit there. I mean, everybody missed What the hell's wrong with people? Seriously, what's wrong with people? Yeah, I kept getting Grady Dick for the Pacers as soon as Larry Bird uh, started showing up. I mean, I, I probably got 10 different messages saying that, and I was just, oh, haven't heard that one before, right? <laughs> but, I'm, t- um, I'm telling you, man. It's the same people that make fun of Peyton Manning around here. I, I just got to wonder how, why. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it just has to be It has to be dumbasses too young to even know. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, but go I mean, ahead. It's, it's guys older than me too. I will say that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I, I think people just have PTSD from drafting Mason Plumley at, at twenty six. No, but, there's I no mean, doubt. Well, there's, yeah, that was a huge mistake. You can look at you know Hansborough was a mistake. You can look at guys as a mistake, but. You know, I, again, I recollect the only time this team's ever been, that's where everybody's chasing right now and talking about what you got to do to get there, and this is what you got to do to mm-hmm. have the most talent. The only team that's ever gone to an NBA Finals here was the one that was guided by Larry Bird. People commonly yeah. forget that. So, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. I got off track by saying a joke. But, no, I, I think right now, for me personally, I think Taylor Hendricks is the best fit. I think that his three-point shooting and secondary rim protection is very nice. I, I think Jairus Walker is probably more of the fan favorite, and I think that he might be the most ready-now player out of those three mentioned to come in here and contribute right, right away because he can be, you know, a secondary playmaker. He's a really good defender. I mean, for measuring at what six foot six and a half, six foot seven, and you know, having a seven foot two wingspan, like that's really impressive. And I think him is. He doesn't have a great shot from outside, and I wonder if he'll be able to guard uh, perimeter players at the four spot. I think he's more of a four that can play up a little bit bigger and guard fives, but for Taylor Hendricks, I think he can probably be a little bit more uh, flexible in terms of guarding wing players. So that's why I lean there. I think Cam Whitmore, he's really hard to uh, imagine with this Pacers roster just because I feel like a lot of the way he plays is very similar to Benedict Matherin. Not great playmakers, really good at getting to the basket, creating their own shots, but they're athletic in different ways. I feel like Cam Whitmore won't be on the board at seven for the Pacers. I think he's going to go top five, just my personal opinion, because he his flashes and his ceiling are, are really high. But I think his shooting's not been great. I think he'll end up being a better shooter than, than Jairus Walker. But I also just I worry about his fit with Matherin a lot just because I feel like can he guard, you know, more than threes and twos. I don't know if he can guard up and guard four fours. I don't think he's big enough yet. So um, that's why I kind of lean more towards one of the Hendricks or, or Walker that were here yesterday because it feels like they fit more uh, of what the Pacers are looking for. Um, but I, I do think that it's really exciting to uh, imagine having a, a, a shooter like Taylor Hendricks on the roster that can that can defend. So. I think he's the guy for me that I would put at uh, pick seven if I'm the Pacers. So I, I look at at Walker, six foot eight, 
240 plus as a guy, and especially playing at a place where you had to defend under Kelvin Sampson. Is he a guy that translates to you defensively to the next level? Because to me, he does. What say you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I think he can guard up in position. I'm just not sure if he can guard perimeter players and be consistent at it. He's kind of boxy with how he's built. Uh, You know, I, I think that the 240 frame is almost. Uh, he doesn't play like that. If you noticed, a lot of his shots that he took, too, offensively were floaters. Uh, you feel like he'd be a guy that would be more of a bruiser type of player, and he really didn't show that. So it's like if he wants to be a little bit lighter and guard these wings, is he going to need to lose some weight and go about it that way? So that's kind of where I'm kind of torn on him because I do like him. I, I think that he's got really good feel for the game. I think that he's a good – he didn't really get to show much of the screen and roll, but when he did – I think he's smart enough that he could be a really nice, you know, pick-and-roll partner with Tyrese Halliburton, even though he's a little bit smaller. And he always makes the right pass, it feels like. But at the same time, I just, you know, with Houston, with the way their roster was constructed, he was kind of, you know, a secondary option with their offense. And defensively, yeah, I mean, everybody on their team was pretty good defensively. But I, I just feel like he's a guy that right away can come in. I think he's got the highest floor of those three players. Because I, I think he's got less like less potential to fail, but I don't think his ceiling is as high. So that's only that's the only thing with him. I, I would be really happy if he was the pick, but I just I think he's gonna have to figure out t- to get a consistent jump shot. Because if he doesn't get a consistent three point shot, then it's gonna be very easy to guard him and make it more difficult for the rest of the team. And like I talked about with you know Jalen Smith not fitting next to Miles because opposing teams are able to put their fives on Jalen Smith, I think you would see the same thing happen if Jairus is unable to hit threes. You're going to see teams cross-match and put a five on him and make it easier for a four to defend Miles on the perimeter. Alex Golden setting the pace. Always got new stuff. Seems to be on a weekly basis as well. You can check it out. Setting the pace and We'll check in with you, Alex, as we move forward two weeks away from the NBA draft. It's going to be here before we know it. And then, um, then it ought to be interesting after that to see directionally where this team ends up going, what they end up doing coming up um, uh, when free agency is officially underway in July uh, in the NBA. It's always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate that. You have a great weekend, and I'm sure we'll check in with you next week. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just want to say congratulations to your Reds. That was a fun victory last night. As a longtime St. Louis Cardinals fan, it's been a rough season. So, uh, The last place, St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, they have been Sorry. rough this year. I was uh, at the Guardians game on Memorial Day weekend, and, yeah, they lost it in the ninth. So that was a fun one to be at. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a hot mess, and yep. you know, they can't get any pitching. So, anyway, congrats to the Reds. I'm not a hater. Don't have a reason to hate. Uh, it's great to see them have some young talent that's really exciting to look forward to. Yeah, De La Cruz is legit. Alex, I appreciate that, man. Have a great weekend. <laughs> All right, you too now. We'll see you. On the- Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from CBS4 and Fox 59. 
He is Mike Chappell. I'm, I'm curious, Mike, we'll dive into all this stuff that's transpired over the past week since we have talked, which has, well, really been a lot and certainly a large story. But with all this Isaiah Rogers news and what ultimately is going to be uh, probably, I would guess, a year-long suspension and no longer being a part of this Colts team, do you think the Colts at all are second-guessing giving away Stephon Gilmore for a song in the offseason? Well, I, 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 maybe, but it, 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 they had no idea this was going to happen. I mean, see, I, I, I don't think they had any inkling even before the draft. I think it just so happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive. They, they were they, they took three corners in the draft because they needed to, not because in my unless I'm way wrong, they anticipated this happening. You know, you could take another step. Would they have made a better attempt to, or any attempt to resign Brandon Fashion? Although he didn't play all that well last year. So, second guessing it, I, I don't know. I, I think this was a case where Stefan came in and said, you know, I'd really like to be with a contender. And, and they acquiesced to it. So, I, I guess if you want to call it like some, some form of buyer's remorse, you wouldn't have done that. But, that's hindsight. Now, I, I don't think they. I, I don't think they would have not done that. I think they gave Gilmore his his, his escape plan, and good for good for Stefan. What do you got? A fifth round pick. I mean, those some of those guys making some of those guys don't. So they really gave him away. But it does so, get Chris Ballard incredibly excited when you say fifth round pick. You had Chris <laughs> Ballard at fifth round pick. They had four this year, for crying out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Ballard's listening to this right now, getting incredibly excited, overwhelmed with excitement because of that. Yeah. Yeah, This is just such a bad situation. It's it's one of those where it's two-layered. It's bad for the team because they're losing a young player on the verge, on the brink of maybe emerging and really being – a solid player for their defense and maybe earning a second contract and all that. But then on a personal level, it's just tragic because, because again, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, at the very least, it'll be an indefinite suspension. And indefinite is what it means. It means, you know, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe longer. I, you know, we, we were talking at, at the TV station today about the fact that if it comes out that he bet on Colts games, I mean, do you look at a lifetime ban? You know, I, I don't know. I, I maybe, but I, I think the indefinite suspension would sort of keep that in play. You know, it, it's of all the levels of, of things you can do gambling, he, he, he hit all he hit all the benchmarks, which is not a good thing. You know, better at, at the complex, better on the NFL, and better on your own team. I mean, wow, that's, that's all of them. So, I, I I do think we anticipate a indefinite suspension, and w- whether Isaiah plays again, I don't know. I, I think it's it's worth wondering if if he doesn't. Yeah, as soon as this comes out, right? As soon as something comes down punishment wise, he's going to get cut. Oh, there's no question about that. I'm just talking about does he play again? No, in the NFL itself. In the NFL, yeah, yeah. Again, there there are levels of transgressions on on each of these things, and he hit them all. And to bet on your own team, I, 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 it's really 
something the league you talk to Jim Irsay all the time and not about this, but he's always talking about protecting the shield and he's talking he's talking the NFL he, his his views most of the times are are global they're they're not indie they're they're the league and when you go down this when you go down this path of of things to do and I understand and fans and players will say we got look, look at you know the NFL's in bed with 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 gambling and they've got a team in Vegas and this that and the other Yes, yes, but you can't gamble. You can't. You, the, the first second that fans believe or wonder if games are impacted by players who are gambling, what what have you got? I mean, if, if, once you lose your integrity, you're done. And that's why I think you know. I think they're going to come down with both feet and. If everything's proven that includes betting on games and betting on Colts games, I don't know. I don't know how optimistic Isaiah Rogers should be about playing anytime soon. Yeah, and so he he knew of this investigation. Colts did not know of this investigation. That, I believe that. I, I checked with someone on Monday afternoon with the team and. They said, "I honestly don't know." Should, should that piss them off even more, or is there a protocol oh, no, that his, I, I that his that, agent maybe said, "All right, don't tell them," and this is how we're doing this? I, I, I think there's a, there's a, a a path to do things, and, and it starts with the, with the league, and it stays with the league until it gets to a certain point. So I no, I I don't. You know, people say, well, how, how could the well, Colts not know? Well, they, they weren't I, involved in this initially. But see, that's the part I don't get because that, that takes away your opportunity to, in any realm, be prepared for this. You know, maybe yeah, there were chances least, for you to prepare better for it had you had an inkling, not publicly known, but had you known internally about this, you could have done something different about it, couldn't you? You're talking player-wise. Yeah, veteran. I mean now. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, now, I guess now you wait until Bradley Roby's like the most attractive free agent defensive back out there right now. Yeah, I, but I don't know that the league takes that into into account. Well, maybe they should, right? Well, that that that, yeah. that could well be, but it's not the league's concern. The boy, this is really going to screw the Colts at cornerback, uh, which it does. Which it does. Uh, so no, th- this is, and again, I'm sure this got out a lot quicker than. What you know, these things always get out. They just do. I'm sure this got out a lot quicker than, or at least somewhat quicker than, what the league was prepared for. Uh, and, and I'm sure that it, inside the Colts, initially there was some cuss words being thrown around because this, this, this does hit them. It, it, it hits. I mean, of all the positions on that team, the one that, that was maybe least equipped to lose a projected starter, outside of losing one of your star players is cornerback and you know yeah yeah if they known about this a month ago they wouldn't have done any more been any more active in in, in the draft i don't think but they certainly might have gone out and gotten a veteran when when they were really kind of in, in, in position to do that they still are they, they've got money they, they and i think they should go out and get a a, a, a veteran corner because right now it's it's like kenny moore and a bunch of guys you know, four four rookies, and you know Dallas. Everybody, a couple of times, Chris Beller brought up Dallas Flowers. 
he played like three, four games last year at corner because because everybody, a lot of the other guys were hurt. He was your kick guy, and he showed some some good signs. You sign Eli Apple right now, and I feel like you're signing Champ Bailey in his prime. That's what I mean. And <laughs> yeah. and the, the, yeah. the bad part now is whoever you bring in, he, he his really first experience with the defense will be in training camp. You know, if you, you're, I agree. If they'd known about this a month ago, you sign somebody, and he's got he's got all your OTAs. He's got a month a month with with you in the system. You're not going to have that, so it's certainly not ideal at all. Uh, they were going to be young at corner. They were going to go with youth at corner, but all of a sudden, like Darius Rush, he's going to he's going to be really pushed up the, the ladder quicker. You know, we all projected Juju Brents being the starter, uh, one of the starters with, uh, alongside Isaiah Rogers. So right right now, it just takes. And again, if, if this isn't like. And, and I, I, we we saw good th- we have seen good things from Isaiah Rogers. He's he has only started ten games at corner. This isn't like Avante Davis or whatever who's really w- w- was a solid player and, until he wasn't. Uh, but but you but you really had really seen some good things from the kid and and he was a great return guy. So th- this hurts. It does. Uh, and, but they'll, th- th- this was going to be a tough year anyway. It, it's, you know, we talked about that. This isn't like uh, a Super Bowl contender losing a projected starter. This is a team that was gonna that is gonna fight to go 500. I guess you can't go 500 down unless you go eight, eight and one. But it, it, this this was gonna be a team that was gonna really fight to be competitive. If that makes sense, it's redundant. But but this doesn't help, and it, it just makes it more difficult for Gus Bradley to fill a hole when there was already going to be some issues at that position. And, and this too, and this is certainly not as meaningful, however, as you bring up with Jim Irsay, it certainly is, and you bring it up in, in terms of you know protecting you know what is yours or protecting the shield, protecting the logo, protecting the horseshoe. Right. Uh, it, it makes it much easier for those that commonly take shots at your your culture and what oftentimes you talk about how that matters so much and you know and again now this happens while you know you're on on watch and whether you had anything to do with it whatsoever, you're going to get tagged with the blame for that because obviously you're the head of the organization sure. and i think mike how could you, that's, not, how could you not know how could exactly you well, well and, you, you and i think that's know. why yeah. they're i think that's why now because i'm kind of surprised they have they have been so i guess you would say good in letting players like on this station zaire franklin with the morning show i think alec pierce was on with greg in the midday yesterday and it has been a consistent response to the one question that they know they're going to get asked about this is that, hey, you know, we get educated. We know about this. And and to me, that is to tell all the Colts fans that this is not a cultural issue. This is an issue with one rogue numbnut that did something stupid. Yeah, I've heard like people say, well, you know, what should the Colts do, do more educating players? What, what, can you, what else can you do? I mean, does a player really not know that he's not supposed to bet on NFL games or your own team? I mean, are you serious? That, that, that's what – yes, this is, this is a individual problem. I, I believe, and I'm not being a homer for the team or for the league, I think they do all they can do 
to educate guys that there's sign there's a sign in the locker room and every locker room you know hey idiot don't don't gamble you know it, it tell it just it just it's there and and you know and it, as, as it turns out there was a, a league official in town this week to talk gambling and it, it's coincidental that it's this week but ignorance is not an excuse if you're ignorant you weren't listening you weren't listening and I've, I've, we've talked to three or four guys yesterday, and I heard what Zaire had on Kevin's show, which was quality stuff. And these guys say, "Yeah, but yeah." Like one of my, I get the players mixed up. It might have been Cotton Grant, and he said, "Hey, they're making examples of people." You know, how do you not notice? Now this happened last year, so it's not like like Isaiah Rogers saw what might the consequences be. But at what level? of a player, do you think it might be okay to bet on the NFL games? I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't think the team, I don't think the league has to amp up, you know, two, two more sessions or whatever. No, it, it's players have the information. They, they know the consequences. And I just think this shows the level of what an addiction can be. You know, hey, I, when I was to start early in my career with Robin Miller, of, of all people, what a, what a great influence he is for, for, on gambling because he loved it. And I'm telling you, and I gamble at times too. That was, and there's a buzz. There is, there is over. You, you go from did, did this team win to did they cover? And I understand all of that. And and like I said, the the league. Is, has so many gambling ties now, and I understand that. But at no at no level can a player believe you, you can you can bet on your team, the NFL. And if it's so bad, if the itch is so bad, then get in your car and drive, uh, uh, you know, twenty minutes down the road to the Speedway station or the Starbucks and place your bet on on the Kentucky Derby on baseball. But for crying out loud, to do things at the complex, I think I was talking to somebody, and, and he, the rules are fuzzy to me. If I understand correctly, if you're a team employee, you can't bet, period. Not not just on the NFL, you can't bet, period. Uh, so players do have a little more leeway, but it's to, 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 to bet on a, at a team facility, and, you know, I – I always question sometimes when I see stories, the sources and who, who's got the story. But I think sportshandle.com first had the story Monday, and they had sources, and, and I trust them. And then, of course, ESPN. and Those are people I trust when I see sources, whether it's Steven or Joel Erickson at Star or, or when we use it. Obviously, I, tr- I trust my sources. I trust their sources. And the things that they had in that story, you know, pervasive gambling, over a hundred, you know, bets placed. Most of them small. There's one or two big ones, apparently. But but it, you just at no level do players should players believe that maybe I can do this. And if you have any question for crying out loud, David Thornton's there every day. He's one of the greatest sources of cults have as far as what you can do, what you can't do, how to how to get along in the community. You go to those guys, and and to not do that it is foolhardy. And now we're, you know, at some point, Isaiah Rogers is going to see the consequences, and they're not going to be nice. I wouldn't, um, 
if I were a player, I wouldn't mess with any of it until I was done. And I mean, you already have a small enough window to take advantage in the NFL, get paid this amount and be a player. You got plenty of time to blank around with this afterwards. I I certainly wouldn't be doing it now. And this would be, to me, this would be a reminder of why it is not even, you shouldn't be even interested in messing with any of it until you're done. You'll have plenty of time. Yeah. And that just shows you the, maybe the, the grip that a gambling addiction, if that's what we want to call it, has. Uh, Isaiah was due like $2.7 million this year. That's gone. That, that's burning in somebody's yard now. And if he had, had 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 any kind of year this year at all, and and he's a le- legit corner and all this, I mean, what's he going to make next year on a multi-year deal? Six or $7 million minimum per year? And that money's probably gone now. That That's why I say that's – you just wonder – when you're doing this, don't you? Do you just not understand consequences? And you know, there, there have been players that have taken PEDs, and well, I didn't know that stuff was in what I was taking. Well, ask somebody. It, the league's got a hotline. I mean, the NFLPA's got a hotline, and and it, it's just there are resources to talk with. Again, David Thornton's a great player, great former player to deal with. And if you have any questions, like I say, like with with supplements. If you have any question of what you're taking might be banned, look it up for crying out loud. So it, it's just maybe it's just being young and, and feeling you're bulletproof. I mean, I don't know, but this is if this isn't a wake-up call to everybody. You know, there again, what was it, four or five or six players, some of them with Detroit, most with Detroit and Washington, and then there's apparently another one that's under investigation. If this isn't if this isn't a scared straight moment, then then the people you're you're not reaching are lost. They're lost souls. But it's obvious that the league is it, as it should. It's 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 clamping down hard, harder almost in, in, in relatively than they would do with PEDs or or street drugs or other indiscretions, because once. As we said, once the public believes that or doesn't trust what they're watching, I'm not sure what you got. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So the director of numbers notary leaves for Dallas. How big of a deal is that That because it's not actually happening on the sideline or on the football field, maybe folks aren't paying a lot of attention to? Well, some. I mean, again, that, that was a guy, if I remember, Chris brought this guy in because they really got into to analytics, and then Frank really embraced it. I assume uh, uh, Shane Steichen will have his own people in place and, and how he does things. Yeah, that, that stuff matters. It does. And like you say, it's sort of in the weeds. But uh, Frank really – and I know a lot of people will just dismiss Frank out of hand now, but Frank was pretty damn good. <laughs> he was pretty good. Things happened last year that, that we'll never know totally – but he's pretty good. Game management and calling plays. It's pretty. It's pretty hard to call plays when nobody's pass blocking. So that that kind of get overshadowed. But I, I think it's a big deal. We'll see who how they how they compensate because they've lost two or three guys in that in I, that. Do you do you lose them just for a dollar value in which you don't want to match contractually? If it's somebody you like, assume, how, how do you let I, that walk? Yeah, I, I I don't know. Again, maybe. This is this is a guy that Shane Steichen had no 
you know, he, he, he didn't have a relationship with as far as working together. So maybe he said, yeah, I got my own guy. I don't know. We'll see how that pans out. But, but again, you all, coaches normally surround themselves with guys that they're really, really familiar with and have a history with. We'll see if that is going to be the case here. But, uh, I, I, yeah, it, it very well might have been a – what, he went to Dallas? You know, they, they print money down there. So so may, maybe it simply was a – maybe it was a money issue and maybe it was one where it just wasn't a fit here with with the new coaching staff. I don't, I don't know the background on that at all. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59, anything strike you other than the obvious story regarding Isaiah Rodgers and – you know, all the quarterback stuff we've talked about with still, at least from what you guys have witnessed, I guess, it is still um, Gardner Minshew getting the number one. Who knows what happens when, when everybody's not there. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the problem is we don't know. I, maybe he's getting the, the, the bulk of the number ones every practice out there. We, but but the, the, the last, they have decreased on Anthony Richardson the last, the, the three practices we've seen. It was pretty even the first time and now it's the last two have been Minshew. We'll get a much better idea next week in minicamp when we're out there all three days and we can see how the entire week went. Uh, Kevin mentioned a question yesterday, just talking about, you know, at, at what point isn't there a point that you need to sort of decide what you've got? And are you really going to maximize getting Richardson ready and, and give him more reps? And I think we'll see part of that next week. We'll really see that in Wheaton camp. We've talked about that. Though. At some point in camp, what we see will tell us what they're doing. It's kind of crazy. But I mean, they, they, they disguise, you know, not getting, you know, trying to get Richardson ready but not giving most of the reps. No, if they're trying to get Richardson ready, which I think they will, he'll be getting most of the reps in camp because that's that's the way you do it. Don't, you know, don't, don't be playing games. And I don't think they will. I think – when Cam gets here, I think we're going to see more and more of Richardson because everybody has told us that they, you know, the only way you get better are reps, reps in practice, reps in preseason, reps in preseason games. So we'll see more next week, and we'll see a lot in training camp. All right. Did you see the uh, the tweet about five hours ago with Jim Irsay in New York with uh, Mellencamp and Wanchick and Clive Davis? Did you see that? No, I didn't. I missed it. No, you, well, you, you got to check it out. Yeah, Mike Wanchick, by the way, is a longtime writer and and musician, along with uh, with Mellencamp. He's he's like somebody in that band that John hasn't run off over the years, going all the way back to the seventies. <laughs> Clive Davis is obviously uh, legendary, and then Jim is excited to be around everybody. And then you see in the picture with Jim, Mike Wanchick, and Mellencamp. Mellencamp looks like he'd rather be anyplace else than being in that picture. <laughs> I wonder when was the last time. That, that Mellencamp wasn't salty. I wonder. I got to find that out. He's just always, and he seems like he's had one like the best lives of all time. Why be salty? I mean, you, you smoke, you smoke cigarette after cigarette wherever you are, no matter what the situation and everything. I mean, it's amazing. So. I've seen him four or five times. A friend of my wife's, a good friend of my wife's, went to school with him in what Seymour. Yep. Um, in his class, I mean, the same same class, and she said he was just a what was the word she used? I mean, not a thug. I mean, not a thug, but just a guy, just a, a hoodlum type guy who 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 was just sort of the the bad boy at Seymour, who turned out pretty damn good. Yeah. 
But whenever I saw it, whenever I would see him, I, I, I'm the old time guy. I'd like, I, I want all the old songs. And he always right, rolls right. out his new new albums. And I, I don't want to hear that crap. Give me some good stuff. Well, and he, I mean, he, and he has to to his credit, he um, he has tried to reinvent at different times himself Correct. musically. And, and and it really is. And people are going to go, well, wait a minute, it's not like that. But it's much like what Madonna has done over the years with her career. She's always tried to reinvent herself. And, and he, much like she, they started out as like pop stars. And right. neither one really wanted to be pop stars. I give him a great deal of credit because he is stratospherically talented. And like yep. you, I love his catalog, especially the older catalog of music. But man, if the dude could just chill out for stinking five <laughs> seconds, it'd be great. <laughs> I, I, I guess he, he's gotten to the Bill Belichick stage, and, and when, you, when you're that good and that accomplished, you can be as cratchety as you want to be, So, because you sort of earned it. Just chill out a little bit. I mean, yeah, he, when I, he goes on the radio, he cusses and smokes, Shane smokes yep. cigarettes, and everybody lets him get away with it. I mean, you got a great yep. life, Oregon. That's right. Enjoy it. I mean, what Christy Brinkley, um, you know, Meg Rival, he's run through them all. That's a hell of a life yeah, right there. Nice, nice life. Would he like to trade with me? No, if he had my life, that's when Mellencamp needs to be salty, Mike. That's, that's when he right. needs to be salty. So, Walk a mile in your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next week we'll see what's going on. I appreciate you, Mike. Talk to you.